right, well, good morning. You doing all right today? Really? Are you sure? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm doing great. I'm doing great because I just made my last college tuition payment for my daughter who's graduating this semester. So I am doing so good. It's like a weight off the shoulders. I am feeling so good. And I know you're looking at me and you're like, you couldn't have a daughter old enough to be graduated. And I appreciate you saying that. I just want you to know I receive that and I'm so grateful. But we do. And we are so proud of Grace. She loves Jesus. She is super smart. She has aced college. She is bilingual. She is, uh, she's just got a heart for justice. We're just so proud of Grace. But I have to tell you, it hasn't always been that way with Grace. There was a season in her life that there were some ugly moments. Um, because this used to be Grace. Oh, no, 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 don't let that picture fool you. Don't let that picture fool you because when she was three, four years old, there were some moments, folks. We went to Chick-fil-A one day. The the first service applauded for Chick-fil-A as well. That is so funny. Listen to you. I love it. Is it the peach shakes? Is it the waffle fries? What do you love? All right, the chicken sandwich. Okay, all right. So we're in Chick-fil-A. And it's so funny because we were in that hallowed ground, that holy ground of Chick-fil-A, and that is where Grace proved the doctrine of original sin uh, in that place. Because what happened was, I was, I got some grilled nuggets, I got her a kid's meal, and we're sitting there, and she, I just reached over to grab one of her waffle fries. Which I will tell you, that is the reason I go to Chick-fil-A, is because of the waffle fry goodness. But I was being good that day. She had some. I went to grab one. She smacked my hand and said, no, daddy, mine. Now, I thought to myself, she probably just didn't realize who I was, or she had a little lapse in character, whatever. So I went back in to reach. Oh, honey. I went back in to reach and to grab. And she took my finger like took both of her hands on one of my fingers and she squeezed as hard as she could and she said no daddy mine it was like a demon came out the second time I really think I heard that in her (laughs) now if you're a parent you know that something else was going on there that was more about that was that was about more than just waffle fries am I right That's about more than just waffle fries. I mean, first of all, I I mean, I I didn't need her waffle fries. I could have gone back up to the counter and bought my own waffle fries. You know, I just wanted the kind of relationship with my daughter where if I wanted to grab one of her fries, she'd be like, oh, yeah, no problem, Dad. Love you so much. You're great, you know. Or number two, number two, I would love for her to understand that I am the source of her waffle fries, right? (laughs) Like, I'm the one that paid for them. In a court of law, they are still my waffle fries, right? I paid for them, and I'm the one that brought, I drove her to Chick-fil-A. I'm the one who picked her up and put her in her little booster seat. I put her in the position to receive the waffle fries. I would have thought that there would be a little bit of gratitude that I was the source of her waffle fries, so that if I wanted one back, she'd have been like, oh, no problem, no problem. Or number three, that she would see the bigness of my muscles and my immense power as her father and understand that I control those waffle fries. 
Like if I wanted to, I could take those waffle fries from her and get her another side. You know, like one of the the kale salad that's from the pit of hell or whatever that's at Chick-fil-A. It's the only bad thing. But I I control, I could go the other way too. I, I, I could buy her an entire truck full of waffle fries and bury her in waffle fries, right? Like I'm in complete control of waffle fryness in her life. And I would just love to think that she would look at me and go, he is, he's powerful. He is in control. And I trust him as my good, good father to give me what I need, because a lot of times he gives me more than what I need. And at some point you realize that I'm talking about more than just waffle fries, right? And, and, and this series, More Than Money, we called it that because this series is about more than money. It is. Because money always represents something else. And I'm not talking about, you know, the gold that, that theoretically backs the money. I'm not talking about the purchasing power of money. Money represents something else. I'm talking about what Jesus said money represents or is tied to money. Look what he says in Matthew 6. He says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here it is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus links our treasure and our heart. He says, it's, not, it's more about, it's, it's, it's about more than money. It's about your relationship with the Father. It's about do you trust in his goodness in your life? Do you trust what he says about money or about life? I mean, do you trust him? Do you understand that he is the source of your money, right? It's about more than money. Now, let, let's do it this way. We're starting off this series. Everybody get out your wallet. Would you do that? Yeah, just wherever you are, just grab in your pocket or your purse, your money clip. We're going to need it through the whole service, so you might as well do it. Just grab it out. Yes. And if you need to, you can give it a little, little squeeze, a little, you can caress it if you like, whatever. Just grab your wallet. And I would like you to look at someone that you do not know and trade your wallet with that person. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're in church so you can trust everybody. Just go ahead and trade. Now, if you've done it, that feeling that you have right now is called stress, okay? And the reason you feel stress is because your heart, look at you, just, you're not looking at me. You are zeroed in on that person that's got your wallet. That's okay. You just keep watching them. Um, the reason you feel stress is because what Jesus said is true. Your heart is connected to your treasure, to your money. Now, some of you are not feeling stress. You are feeling excited because the wallet you're holding is thicker than the wallet that you gave up. And you're like, sucker, I hope we leave right now, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to take that. Okay, give the wallets back so you can relax. Go ahead and give the wallets back. Actually, you know what? No, just keep them. Let's take up an offering. And I'd like you to give like you've always wanted to give in that. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so you've got your own wallet. What I want to talk to you about today is how are you holding your treasure? How are you holding on to your treasure? What is your posture toward your money? Um, If you would, we're we're going to keep using this. Go ahead and, and cross your arms like this. 
Because for some of us, when we start talking about money, especially in church, we get defensive. That is our posture towards money, is that we are defensive. And I just want to say, go ahead and uncross, because you look like a very scary bunch right now. That is very intimidating to have you all cross your arms. Um, Listen, I just want you to know, if you feel defensive, I get it. I totally get it. I grew up watching televangelists on TV. I mean, I didn't choose it, but you know what I'm saying? When you're flipping around, like we, we didn't have the Netflix and we didn't have all that. So you're flipping around on TV and they'd pay for time on TV. Do you know what I'm talking about? These people that would, would pressure you and make the hard ask and, and, and they, would, they would manipulate verses of Scripture and they would, they would talk about, if you'll give me money, then I'll send you a cloth of paper that I prayed over and stuff like that. And they would say things, I just was, they'd say things like, stick your hands in them jeans and pull out them greens. Don't make me holler. Don't make me shout. Just turn them pockets inside out. Come on, people, do you love Jesus? And they would just manipulate you. And I just want to say, I get it. That kind of makes me throw up a little bit in the back of my mouth too. Like that's gross to manipulate especially scripture in that way but you know but it's interesting because then you think of Jesus and you know Jesus talked a lot about money as well Um, 11 of Jesus 39 parables in the gospels mention money or money is the chief like or possessions or stewardship is the chief point of the parable 11 of 39 that's a pretty big percentage um And Jesus didn't shy away from saying hard things about money, challenging people when it came to their their possessions or the way they were holding their money. You think about the rich young ruler. If you know that story where Jesus comes and gives him some hard truth about money. I would say one of the hardest things that Jesus said about money was in Matthew 6, 24. When he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus goes, hey, it's one or the other, you pick. That's, that's tough. But I think there's something about Jesus that makes us go, you know, even though he talked a lot about it, even though he had hard things to say about it, you just never get the sense from Jesus that he wants something from you. That he's trying to manipulate you. You get the sense from Jesus that he understands what this is doing in our lives. And that's why he has such, a, such strong things to say about it. You, 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 get the under, you get the sense that Jesus understands that 26% of adults have no savings to speak of. 38 million households in the U.S. live hand to mouth. In other words, they spend every penny of their paychecks every month. And the truth is, is that many households are spending more than their paycheck every month through what we call credit, so that the average household in the United States has a debt of $150,000. Almost 40% of Americans would not be able to cover an unexpected expense of $5 or $500 or more. 59% of Americans say that running out of money is their number one fear. Two-thirds of all divorces point to money as a significant contributing factor. And last but not least, 25% of Americans say, they give them a multiple choice test and say, what is your best shot at financial security? And 25% of the people picked winning the lottery as their best shot. 
that financial security. And and I just get the sense that what's happening with Jesus and what makes him so different is that we know that he knows those things. And so when he's speaking to it, you just get the sense that he wants not something from you, but that he's looking at you and going, I want you to have peace in this area of your life. I want you to have victory in this area of your life. I want you to have joy and contentment in this area of your life. And so my prayer for you in this series is that if you are feeling sort of defensive in this season of life when it comes to money, that you would just uncross your arms during this series. Now, some people don't cross their arms. Some people hold their wallets like this. Would you hold your wallet up like this, like it's Simba, like you are presenting Simba to the rest of the animal kingdom? Because some people are worshiping their money. Oh, they, they're trusting, you can put it down, they're trusting their money for, to do things that only God can do. See, there are a lot of people that are trusting their money for security. And they would say, if I just had enough money, then I would be secure. They're like those people in Proverbs 18, 11 that says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. In other words, I could just be uh, protected from all the bad things in life. I would have incredible security. So these types of people are known for saving and saving and saving and saving and saving. Now, there's another type of person who they trust money for significance and self-esteem. So if I just have enough success, if I just have enough stuff, then I'm going to feel like I am somebody, right? And so a lot of times what that type of person tends to do is not save, 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 but spend, spend, spend. So you got the savers, you got the spenders. What's hilarious is that God always tends to have those people marry each other. Have you noticed that? There's always somebody wants to save and always somebody that wants to spend. But the point is this. We can't trust money to be our security. We can't trust money to be the place where we find status or self-esteem. If that's where you are right now, I'd probably introduce you to, to Laura Griffiths. She spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on fancy houses and cars, bought a salon... But then over time had to sell the salon and work at the salon just to make ends meet. And she eventually had, was worth $10. That was her net worth. Or I'd introduce you to Bud Post. He he was a million dollars in debt. He was forced to declare bankruptcy. And his own brother hired a hitman to kill him. Or I'd introduce you to Jack Whitaker. He had $400,000 stolen from him. He'd been arrested twice for DUI and ordered into rehab and was bankrupt. Now, the reason I share all three of those people is because they have something in common. All of them went broke and had those troubles in their life after they'd won over $200 million in the lottery. And so what I would say to you is there are some of us that come into this kind of a series and we're like, I don't need an, I don't want more information. I don't want to know what God wants me to do with my money. That's not the answer. What I want is more money. And, and, and we would look at people like that. In fact, Jack Whitaker said this, had I known what was ahead, I would have torn up that ticket. And if you're like me, I look at that and go, you know, I'd like to be millions of dollars miserable, you know? Or if you're like me, you're like, I, I, that wouldn't happen to me. I'd try it. If I just had money, it would solve a lot of my problems. And I'm just saying to you and to me, like, this is for me too. Like, that's where they were. 
when they were playing the lottery. Like, they were thinking to themselves, if I just had the money, then I'd have all the security and the status I need and my problems would be over. But Jesus would say money is a terrible source of security, a terrible source of, of self-esteem. Money is a horrible or a terrible master. That doesn't mean we can't have money. I mean, it's just that it shouldn't be our master. If God is our master, well, then money can take care of itself. But money not, ought not to be the thing that we're trusting and worshiping. Now, some of us are defensive with our money. Some of us are trusting our money. Now take your wallet and, and just kind of put it under your, your leg or kind of sit on your wallet or maybe you just put it away like this. Because here's what I know, that there are a lot of people in this season that feel guilty about this topic. Their posture toward money is that they kind of feel bad about the way that they, they've handled it. Um, maybe, maybe they're heading into retirement right now. And when you start talking about money, like I'd rather avoid the topic because when you start talking about money, you start to think, man, had I done a better job from 20 years old to 45 years old, man, would I be in a better place right now heading into retirement. And so a lot of people are like just feeling guilty or shame. There are some people who are watching their kids get ready for college or getting ready to, to head out into the world or their grandkids and they're thinking, man, I wish I could help them, but I can't afford to because I've got so many debts of my own. And there's a, there's a guilt or a shame. There are some people that come into a church setting like this. We've got people that have been going to church here for a long time and, and Maybe you're here and you're going, you know, I've heard messages on this before and I just have always felt like I can't afford to give. And so every time this comes up, I just sort of feel like I'm either letting God down or there's something wrong with me. And I just want to say, if that's you, if you are feeling guilty as we talk about this, don't. Like that is not Jesus' heart toward you ever. Where do you see in Scripture that Jesus walks around pointing a finger going, shame on you and shame on you and shame on you. That's just not his heart toward you about money or anything. Jesus would look at you and say, not shame on you, but shame off you, right? Like, I love Jesus because I think God would look at you right now. And if you're not feeling good about this topic, you're kind of guilty, you're hiding it away. I just want you to know, you have a God who Psalm 32, 8 says this to you. I will instruct you. And I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. In other words, he's not going to give you some cold, hard facts or instructions and just tell you, good luck. Like his eye is right upon you. He wants to help you with this. And if you have moved in this arena for a while and you're going, but you don't understand. It's just hopeless. I'm not feeling good about that. I don't want to talk about this because I'm just... It's hopeless. Then I think he would say to you, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You have a God that when he gets involved in your financial world, if you'll let him, if you will invite him into your financial world and follow what he says about how to handle this money, guys, it is never too late. And God has the ability to do some amazing things 
in your life. I didn't share this with first service, but second service. I, I just recently found out that Colonel Sanders with Kentucky Fried Chicken, do you know that he used his $105 Social Security check when he was 65 years old to get uh, KFC franchised and get it off the ground? And then look what happened. And I, I have no clue if he's a Christian. I have no clue if, if God was involved in his uh, finances at all. I just saw that and I thought, man, if that can happen when you're 65 years old and he's just with $105, man, just think if God gets a hold of this in our lives. Now, some people are defensive. They're holding money like this. Some people are holding money like this. They're trusting in it too much. There are others who are hiding it away because they're feeling shame and guilt. But let's be honest. There are some of us that are doing okay. There are some people who are kind of holding money like this, and I'm not going to make you do it. But there are some of us who kind of buy certain things just so we can kind of let you know, hey, I'm doing okay. There's some people that go on certain trips or live in certain places, or they just want you to know, hey, I'm doing okay. And their attitude or sometimes, our, I think it's all of us sometimes, our attitude sometimes is, I'm doing great with money right now. I'm doing great. I am successful with my money. I can do whatever I want. And that's where I think God would look at me or look at you, if that's your attitude, and say, hey, waffle fries. Waffle fries, baby. Don't ever forget it. Like God would look at you and say, um, who do you think gave you the brain and the health to work as hard as you've worked? Who's the one that gave you the opportunities that you got? Who are the ones? That, and, and you think back over, man, who's the one that helped you meet just the right person at just the right time? Who's the person that helped you invest in just the right area of your business at just the right time? Who's the person that did this? Or who's, That was all God. And oh, by the way, not only is God the source, but God is in control. It is all His It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 26, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Haggai 2, 8 says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And 24 times in the Bible that we're told that everything is his. I will tell you this, if you want to move forward in this, and I don't know too many people that don't. If you want to move forward in financial peace, if you want to move forward in financial uh, contentment, if you want to move forward in um, financial freedom, if you want to move forward in those areas, in this area of your life, I will tell you that the silver bullet principle, now that's a big claim, but the silver bullet principle of understanding, of moving forward in your finances is to understand God owns it all. He owns it all. That is the silver bullet principle. God owns it all. And when I understand that, everything changes. My mother, um, uh, when she, before she died, when she was too sick to do something that she really loved doing, which was Christmas shopping for our kids, grandbabies, my mother would write us a check, Rachel and I, And she would say, hey, would you please go out and buy the kids something they would like? And do you know, when I took that money and we went out shopping for the kids, I never once thought to myself, I'm going to get the kids something, but I'm going to pocket this for myself. Like my mom never asked for receipts. But that just never would occur to me because of my relationship with my mom. I'm like, it's not my money. 
It's her money. I'm stewarding it. I'm managing it right now, but I would never pocket it for myself. I'm going to use it for what it was intended, and she's told me what it's intended for. In the same way, there might have been a year or two where she would say something like, hey, what I'd love for you to do this year is I would love for you to um, buy something where the whole family can have an experience together. You know, or one year she would say, hey, I want you to do something where it's, you know, the kids get educational toys. Or she would kind of dictate, put some parameters around how that money was spent. And I never once begrudgingly was like, fine. Because the entire time I'm going, I wouldn't even have this if it wasn't for her. This is her money. And my whole goal is on the day of the celebration that the kids would open up the gift and they would have a smile on their face. And then I would look over to my mother and my goal was to see a big smile come up on her face. And I'm telling you, when it comes up, when it comes to money and moving forward money, I think that's the goal. The goal is to one day on the celebration day that you would be able to look at how the money was made, but then look over at our Heavenly Father, who is the source and who is in control and who we trust and who we love, and to see Him look at all the ways that our money was managed, His money was managed, and just see Him go, yeah, good job. But it all comes down to that principle of He owns it all. And when we understand that he owns it all, guys, this is how you can start to, to hold your money. Open-handedly. And that is the posture that we're going for. Open-handedly. Now, some of you go, well, open-handedly, I don't know how I like that because if I hold it that way, God may say, uh, I don't want you to buy that new shiny thing that you want to buy. And that does not seem good to me. <laughs> Or God may say, I want you to give some of that money to the poor. And you would say, well, hold on. I don't want to do that. Or I want you to pay off more debt and not run up more debt. And God, you'd be like, I don't want to do that. And so you would say, I don't want the open hand. I want the clenched fist. That's how I want to hold the money. And if that's you, I would just say that I understand. You are right. If you do this, because I don't think God is going to force it. I, I think you'll have it. But the problem is, if, if you don't have your hand open like this, if you're not holding it like this, then I don't see how God gives you more. And if I look at Scripture, it's very interesting. Proverbs eleven twenty four twenty five. 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, clenched fist, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Honor the Lord with your wealth. I'm in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns, look at this promise, will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Oh, guys, I don't want to push you too hard on the first week of the series. I don't want to push you too hard on the first week of the series, but here it is. The silver bullet, if the silver bullet principle 
the silver bullet principle of finances is God owns it all, then the silver bullet practice is generosity. It's generosity. Because generosity begins to unlock God's impact in our finances. It invites him to be a part of our finances and to get involved. 1 Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich in this present world to not be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I love that. The life that is truly life. Here's all I'm going to say this week is this. I have never met a miserably generous person. (laughs) In fact, I've never met a formerly generous person. I feel the stares. I feel the heat. I feel some of you are looking at me like I'm the televangelist. I feel like you're looking at me and going, okay, you had me. I was, I was tracking with you for now, but I feel like you're setting us up for something. The big ask, the big pressure, the big thing. And I feel it coming. And so I need your help. Those of you, those of you who can help me, I need your help as we close. If you've seen God get involved in your financial life in the ways that I'm talking about, not that you've gotten rich, but that you've seen peace, you've seen contentment, you've seen God show up in a certain ways. If you've ever seen him provide just what you need at just the right time, if you've ever seen him, I don't know, give you a scholarship or a tax return or last minute the sale that closed in just the right way, or if you found contentment and joy and because of your giving to the poor or your giving to the church, you see lives changed and you've seen God do amazing things, you feel like my little bit helped to make that happen. And if you love the fact that you're able to put your head on the pillow at night, not knowing that you've got millions of bazillions of dollars in the bank, but knowing that you're not in a mountain of debt and that you have peace and that you have a relationship with God and you're right with God when it comes to your finances, you have absolute peace and you lay your head on the pillow at night and just go, I love this. If you have seen God show up in your financial world, would you just applaud so that everybody can know that I'm not the only one? You make the point way more than I do. You have been a church that for so long has followed God's principles in finances. And I just want to say it is so good to be among people who understand the goodness of God in every area of our life, even our finances. Hey, I want to challenge you with just two things. One, would you come every week? Uh, Megan Marshman is going to be here next week, so I'm super excited about that. And then I'm going to come and Miguel and I are going to team teach. I'm going to try to match his energy, okay? And the two of us are going to team teach some really practical stuff on getting out of debt and investing. Do you know the Bible actually speaks to investing? And so we're going to talk about that together. And then Robert Morris is going to come. He's going to talk about generosity. And then at the last week of the series, we're going to have an opportunity to do something very special as a church and take some next steps in our generosity together. But for this week, I would just ask you to do this. Come back. And then also, would you please do everything you can to just hold it like this and say, God, if you want to challenge me, 
If you want to teach me, if you want to move me and have me take next steps, Lord, I'm willing to do that. If you're willing to do that, would you just stand and let's close together with this song.